This morning we have a really special guest with us, um, the Hoovers, Bill and Marcy are here from Zambia, Africa, and they're cousins with, of Carol Rao, and um, their support, we, we support them at CCEP as our missionaries there. Um, they've been serving in Zambia uh, for 15 years now with Christian World Outreach. Um, they have an outreach to orphaned and vulnerable boys in a local township, as well as teaching a ministry focused um, on the prevention of HIV. And so uh, we want to welcome them. Uh, Bill's going to come up. He's going to give the message this morning. And then Marcy's going to come up and tell us a little bit about their ministry and what they've been doing in Africa. So, Bill. Yeah. Well, good morning. Again, thank you for your support through all these years. We really do appreciate it. Um, This morning, we're going to look at the parable of the wineskins. First, I want to kind of set up, I guess I need to point it back there, um, the stage as to how this parable came about, uh, what was kind of going on when Jesus said this. It had just happened that Jesus had told Matthew to follow him. So he was just recruiting Matthew in to be a disciple. And Matthew was excited and brought him to his home, and they had a a nice gathering. But there were tax collectors. There were others from the community. There were Pharisees, scribes, John's disciples, and Jesus' disciples. And it wasn't necessarily the most religious event, I would say, Um, when you're at a tax collector's house, he, they weren't the most revered, but they did have money, and they probably threw pretty nice parties. So we see that the uh, Pharisees and John's disciples said to him, the disciples of John fast often and offer prayers, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. And Jesus said to them, can you make a wedding Can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and they will fast in those days. The Gospel of Mark tells us that the Pharisees and John's disciples were in a fast at that point. So they may have been walking around, and as people offered food and drink, they were, no, I'm fasting. Thank you. Oh, oh, I forgot your religious... They were wearing it on their sleeves. Um, They had missed uh, the parable on the mount, or the, I'm sorry, the Sermon on the Mount, where he had talked about fasting and what Jesus was looking for in fasting. So he was just kind of putting it aside, telling him, guys, I'm here. Everything that you know to this point, everything that has been built on, the old wineskins that you're holding on to, Guess what? I'm here. We're, we're, it's, it's time to start anew. And that's where he went on with the next part of the parable. He also told them the parable, No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new, and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. But the new wine 
must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine desires, for he says the old is good. Again, he was talking to the Pharisees. Um, John's disciples are kind of an interesting thing because they had been following a man who had denied everything. He was living in the wilderness. He was rugged. He denied the world, basically. And now here's Jesus, and his disciples are no different than the world. And so I'm sure that kind of was in their mind as they asked the question. The Pharisees were just saying, wait a second, we've got this all set up. Look at our old wineskins. This is the way it's done. But Jesus had new grapes. These were guys who were fishermen. These were tax collectors. And he was at the beginning of a new covenant. This was the very beginning of it. Just uh, at the beginning of this chapter in Luke, he had invited the first disciples. And now he had added Matthew. He had these grapes. And we're on the parable of the wineskin, so let's get to know a little bit more about wine. Inside of the grape, there is sugar. As it gets older, there's more sugar. On the outside of the grape, there is actually wild yeast. Um, It blows around. It's it's all around us. Plus, there are other things that can be on the skin. So, Jesus was about to take their life and crush it. Everything they knew, he was talking to them about. He told them, I am not come to abolish the law, but I have come to fulfill the law. That's crushing the grape because they're like, whoa, what do you mean fulfill? They were confused. As the yeast and the sugar come together, things start to change. We go from grape juice that was in the inside and it starts becoming wine. The yeast and the sugar start reacting together. And the byproduct is alcohol and CO2. So it's this big, bubbly, frothy mess. And that's what his disciples were. They had been crushed. It's this big, bubbly, frothy mess. And Peter was the biggest, bubbliest of them all. I mean, he just got so excited There comes a point, at first they leave it open so that the CO2 can really escape, but then there comes a point with the wine, it's put in, (laughs) I do have pictures and I keep forgetting the pictures. Um, So in uh, Jesus' time, this is what a typical wine press would have looked like, is it got turned around and pressed, and then the juice would fall off down into a cistern or a holding area for it to start changing. Um, and then once the wine was had changed enough, it was put into bags. But there was still growth happening. There was still CO2 being given off. So the skins had to grow, had to stretch. Old wine skins as they all knew because they understood wine, if you put it in, it would just crack. And now the wineskin is good for nothing, and the wine is spilled out, and you've lost it. They knew that. 
So that's why Jesus used this in their life. Um, Our nephews are the grapes. They're great, but we don't know what has affected them prior to coming into our ministry. And not only does the yeast start to affect them, but there's other impurities in this world which winemakers will actually introduce other things into wine to change the character of it, to make it unique. We're all unique. We all have experiences. If you don't understand this, from the moment you're born, you're the disciple of someone. Prayerfully, it's your parents. Sometimes it's not. Our boys don't necessarily, aren't necessarily discipled by their parents because they've lost them. They're discipled by somebody else. But there's always somebody raising us as children, and we're their disciples. Prayerfully, those people are disciples of Christ. So they are discipling the children in the ways of Jesus so that then they can disciple later. So this week, I want to challenge you with four things that are on the back. I forgot to show this last time. But the first is, in the world, perception means everything. Facts mean nothing. Um, This was actually told to me by a secular manager that I had when I worked for the Brown Palace. Um, He was telling us that The fact that you're good at your job, that you know what you do, doesn't matter if that's not the perception the world has of you. So I'm challenging you this week, look around you. Look at all the people that you have perceptions of. Get to know them a little bit better. Try and find out the facts of their life. What things are tainting or changing or affecting their growth, their wine maturity. Because there's a lot of sad things that people have gone through that will change what their wine is in the end. But that wine in the end can speak into somebody else's life, disciple somebody who may be on that same path at an earlier time, and they'll be able to speak to them in a way that maybe I can't. So... Get to know the people around you so that you can help them, so that you can help disciple them to use the experiences that they have, to use the things in their lives to be a stronger Christian. The next thing is we need to be patient. Um, A lot of our nephews come to us, um, and they're not the nicest gentlemen that you ever meet. Uh, They're mean, but they have to be because they live on the street. We got to know the perception of them. But then God blessed us with a ministry to learn the facts of them. And as we got to know them, they were giving their life to Christ. But then we saw things were a little different. and We'd ask them like once a year, we'll say, guys, Do you have to change? Do you have to clean yourself up? Get off of the alcohol. Stop telling myths, truths before you can come to Christ. Oh, definitely. Yes. He doesn't want me like this. I've got to clean myself up and then I can accept him. And then we'll move forward. We have to say, no, guys, 
you don't have to change. Lay it all at the cross right now. Give it to him. He will help you where you are weak. He will help you where you need help. And he is patient in that. But as fellow Christians, we need to live by that example as well. We need to be patient. There's broken people out there. We don't know where they are in their walk with Christ. But we need to be good disciples and be patient with them. Sadly, sometimes consequences come with bad decisions. We tell our guys, we will get you out of jail once, but after that, you have to face the consequences of what you've done. We'll let you make one mistake, but that doesn't mean we don't visit them. We're patient with them. We tell them we're still there for them, even though they may not be where they necessarily want to be. So be patient. And a lot of times that bubbly zestiness of a new believer as we're really getting going, Jesus knew that's why it needed to be put into a new wineskin because it's going to stretch. Can you imagine Peter in his bubbliness as he's standing there with Jesus saying, I will never deny you. And Jesus is like, oh, you know, before the crow, three times, you're going to deny me. I can't even imagine that moment as the rooster was crowing the third time, Jesus is looking at him and Peter is sitting there in his bubbliness with his skin completely stretched going, I hope this doesn't burst. Oh my goodness. How can I even go on? How? Oh, I have let him down. I'm done. You know, that had, he just had to have been ripped apart. But that's why he was in a new wineskin. The wineskin just stretched, but it was holding him together. And then he's fishing with his friends. You know, yeah, it's, you know, Jesus is gone, man. You know, how's it catch today? And all of a sudden, Jesus is bringing him in going, guys, 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 come on. Peter jumps out of the boat, swims to shore. We're not really sure what Jesus was pointing to or what he was doing when he said, do you love me more than these? But he could have been pointing at the boats and saying, Peter, seriously, do you love fishing for fish more than fishing for men? No, 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 I love you. Again, he was bubbly, but yet stretching. How many years later do we still know the name of Peter? Do we know what he did for discipling? How he helped this grow? (laughs) So, We need to extend grace. Jesus was constantly extending grace. He had grace as he was walking away, looking at Peter, going, I told you. As he was saying, Peter, I'm leaving again. I need you to take care of my sheep, please. He had grace on them. He has grace on us. We need to extend grace to others. And now... The hardest thing as a Christian is everybody is watching us. In Zambia, (laughs) everybody knows where I go. Everybody knows where I've been. I can't, you know, oh, I saw you in town today. I'm like, I didn't see you. Sorry. (laughs) We stick out. We have to be an example. As I'm in a meeting, closed-door meeting, just two of us, and the person's going, yeah, you know, if you want to get this, you know, work done on your property, you know what needs to happen. 
And I'll, I'll be saying, no, I, I don't. I, I want you to say it. Oh, well, you know, um, yeah, look at the time. Okay, yeah, why don't you come back next week? I work with people who think that money should grease things and get things done. For 15 years, I've refused because I know what happens behind that closed door will be talked about on the street. Will be, he's no different than any of us. If he wants to get something done, he'll do anything to get it done. Yeah, he may call himself a Christian, but mm, it's one thing I've committed to. I will never pay a bribe in Africa. It's taken me a year to do things that take one day, one day. But I just keep going back, just keep going back. It's gotten easier after 15 years because now people, I walk in and they look at me and they go, oh, it's you. Thankfully, I have a reputation now because I've been an example of what a Christian should be. Yes, there's hunger, there's problems. If I could have gotten that project done one year sooner, it would have been a great help to the people we work with. But it would have been undermining what I was doing because I was trying to make disciples. I have an employee who works with us, and he lost his national registration card. He went... He could have had it like that had he paid to have it like that. But that's not the way it works. So he just kept going back. It took him a week to get his national registration card. But he was like, Uncle Bill, you were my example. Because Zambia won't change for the better if we keep doing these things. So thank you for being that example. So... We need to be, we need to get to know others because we don't know as that grape was crushed what was on the outside that will affect the growth of that wine. Get to know them, help them where they are, be patient with them as they struggle with wanting to go back. Extend grace. Our ministry is a huge ministry of grace because our guys keep falling back to things. Yes, they face the consequences of their actions, but yet they always know that they're loved. They know that they can come and see us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Even while we're here, we still have people that we have discipled who are there helping them, extending grace and be an example. So I hope that sort of lets you know a little bit more about as we're being discipled, as we're changing, we are new wine. And Jesus knew to put us into the new wineskin. I mean, that's we go down, we come up, we're anew, right? We're in new wineskins. And we're going to make mistakes. We're going to bubble over. But there's forgiveness as long as we come to him and lay it at the cross. So that was what I had for today. And now I'm going to introduce Marcy to share our ministry. Here we go. Ready? We're Bill and Marcy Hoover, serving with Christian World Outreach in Zambia, Africa. Zambia is a sub-Saharan uh, African country where we experience tropical climate, which is tempered by a high altitude. 
We've called Indola Zambia home for 15 years now. It's a city of about half a million people. We have a team. God has provided a unique team of uncles for us. They're our co-workers, and at this moment, they're continuing to run the ministry even while we're here. We originally went there to focus on HIV education, but the Lord led us to a group of boys that we call our nephews. There are hundreds of these young men, but we have a consistent core group of about 85 boys now. They live four blocks away and come to CWO for various lessons, activities, and assistance. This allows them to remain within their communities, yet we are able to impact their lives at CWO. It's a safe place for them to come to, a place many of the boys consider their second home. Their community is called Nkwazi, and it's approximately one square mile with 65,000 residents. By living in Zambia long term, we've been invited into the culture in meaningful ways. We'd like to give you a small glimpse of that life for a moment by telling you the story of one nephew named Mamboy. We first met Mamboy in 2008 when he was seven years old. He was leery of us and he spoke no English. After being on our nutrition program, he has grown and come to truly trust us and become a godly example for the other boys. He has learned English and is excelling in school, now in the best government school in the town. Mamboy lives in this small house with his grandmother, mother, and cousins. In his free time, he plays with wire cars with the boys. He helps with laundry, but often does his own laundry at CWO so it won't be stolen from the drying line. He helps with cooking. He also fetches water for for the family from a shared well. His family will often buy small items such as salt, laundry, soap, and candles from these small shops called contembas. They purchase food um, from the local market stands as well. And Momboy chooses to come to CWO even against cultural advice and expectation because foreigners are often feared. He receives nutritional assistance to share at home. He attends Bible study every week. He participates in discipleship and receives snacks and hot meals through the week. He practices typing in the library and studies English every Tuesday with other young men, helping them to speak, read, and write English too. And he plays football during the weekend. We strive to help all of these boys shine Christ in their community. We have impacted many lives over the years, and yes, they're all boys. There are many grants impacting the girl child and very little for boys. Culturally speaking, we know that the boys can make a bigger difference. Many things like uh, school fees uh, and things that my family cannot afford to to have. Does he hold me in school? Now <clears throat> I'll finish by, I finished last year. Does helped me grow spiritually and emotionally. I've known Jesus Christ through Christian adultery. I've known how to read. When I just live alone without learning about him, what he has done for me, I may just uh, continue doing the wrong things. My life can be filled up with the wrong things. My life would have been in would have been in bad situation like smoking, stealing, and the many other things. In the beginning, I was, I was not the way I am today. To live like him, to do the things that that can that 
that can make him and me to be bond together. Being here, I think it's amazing to me. It's, it has transformed me into something else. desire is to see them become godly husbands and fathers, and thus impacting the lives of the women within their society. Being there long term also allows us to live out the gospel on a daily basis before their very eyes, and they notice it. They are striving to emulate a Christ-centered life by putting the Bible first and culture second. Every boy who desires to go to school is assisted when a serious commitment is shown. Two of our boys are doing so well they're now at university, one studying computer science and the other medicine. We provide their fees, and so our educational fees are large. To help raise funds for the boys, we're auctioning a wire car made in Zambia to the highest bidder. It's a silent auction that's on the back table in the entranceway. Um, If you're interested, you're welcome to see it. Our focus on HIV education and prevention is in high demand. We already have a group on a waiting list throughout 2018. I teach on HIV from a Zambian perspective thanks to training I received from 25 women called Bonifimbusa. They're cultural trainers. And I teach not by criticizing, but by touching heart issues and asking everyone to question their choices. Are they honoring to God? Do my choices in my private life line up with God's desire for my life? And how do my choices compare to the word? Our life is challenging, but rewarding. We are seeing the impact that CWO is making on a daily basis, and we thank you as the Christian Church of Estes Park Park, for your integral part of that impact. Without you, we probably couldn't be there. Um, If you are interested more in the ministry, there's a sign-up sheet on the back table in the entranceway. Um, You can sign up just to receive our monthly newsletters, either by mail or email. Um, We also love teams and visitors. These boys love to have visitors come. So if you are interested in visiting us in Zambia, you are welcome. Um, And again, thank you for your support, prayer support, financial support. Um, We are most grateful. Our apartment had a bus stop in front of it where these guys worked. And they're called call boys, C-A-L-L. They call you to the buses. And so their job is to get the buses loaded as quickly as possible so the driver of the bus can do as many laps as possible to make more money. Well, they call you to the bus hoping to get you on the proper bus with all of your uh, supplies and and things we call katundu. And here's the ironic part. Uh, The buses all go to the same place. 
you don't need to say where you're going. <laughs> so they've created a job on their own. Um, and if they get the bus loaded quickly, the conductor of the bus, who's the one that collects your fare or your, your fee, um, he will crumple up the equivalent of five cents, throw it out the bus window, and then these 20 guys fight for it. Their goal of our nephews is to make one U.S. dollar per day because then they can have one meal. Um, so that's how we met them at the bus stop. They wanted to talk to us, I could tell, but not in front of each other. So I joked with Bill. I said, they're going to be our next ministry. I can feel it. And he's like, right. A bunch of alcoholic drug addicts chasing each other with two-by-fours to kill each other. So we ended up have, inviting them to the office. This is such an amazing story. I hate to shorten it. Um, we had a barbecue with them and showed them a film in, in their language of, of Jesus. And in the end, we said, okay, we're done. Now you know where to find us to talk. You're free to go. And they didn't move. So I felt the Lord was saying, ask them if you could do anything for them, what would it be? And my translator refused to ask the question. She said, they're going to ask for money. But I pressed. Turns out each bus station is like a separate gang, and you don't mix them. And this gang was led by Big George. So Big George stood up, and he goes, okay, what we want. Number one, would you give us the word of God? None of us can read. Most of us quit school at grade three to survive. If you could teach us what the word of God says, we'd really be grateful because we know the way we're living isn't honoring to God, but we don't know what the Bible says. So if you could teach us the word, we'd be grateful. I said, we could do that. And he said, number two, could you really encourage us? Society hates us. Our families talk down to us. We're spit upon. Um, if you could encourage us to change, we'd be so grateful. We could do that, too. And he said, number three, we need a new job. What we do we, we, is so humiliating from a cultural viewpoint. In fact, it's considered below the prostitutes in their culture. What we do is so humiliating, we get drunk to do it. So if he could find us a new job, that would be great. He said, but don't get us the new job first, please, because our alcoholism will blow it. Give us the word of God. Encourage us to change, and if you see us change, if you could get us a new job, we'd be grateful. And he sat down, and we went, wow. So then another guy said, okay, Auntie. Auntie is a very, I won't go into the explanation, but aunts and uncles are more valuable and precious in Africa than moms and dads. So they call us Auntie and Uncle, which is why they're our nephews. And they said, Auntie, when are we doing this again? I'm looking at Bill like, can we afford to do this again? We just fed them a big lunch. What's this look like? And I just said, well, it's Friday. How about if you come back in two weeks? Okay. And they all ran out the door. That was January of 2003. And we have met with that same group of men every other Friday for 14 years. Um, we have buried 16 of them because of alcohol or HIV, and what a privilege to have known them and loved them. Their biggest fear in life is to be buried without respect. So that's our one promise. We will bury you with respect. To answer your question about bringing in others, <laughs> we started with the big nephews. We wanted to make it a little bigger, and we said, can we invite another bus stop? And they're like, no. <laughs> we do not share our auntie and uncle. 
if you want boys, we will bring them. I said, okay, you bring them. So they started bringing little guys. But then they stood in the back going, mm-hmm, you listen to this, you need this. <laughs> and we said, this wasn't quite the idea for this. You need to ha- be talking too. So that's when we split. So big nephews are on Friday. Little nephews are Monday for discipleship, Tuesday English lessons, Wednesday outreach, Thursday Bible study, and part of Fridays for activity day. We do all their medical care and their nutrition program and get out-of-jail-free cards. Um, so they're, they're our family. All right, I just wanted to pray for them one more time as a church family. Uh, so let's, let's pray. Father, we, uh, we pray uh, for the Hoovers, for Bill and Marcy. Lord, we pray for their ministry. And Lord, we pray specifically that you would um, bring in the funding that they need as um, they're here in the U.S., um, that you would uh, exceed their expectations above and beyond uh, what they even could imagine, Lord. And Lord, I pray that you would just bless that ministry that they have, that you would bless each and every um, each and every nephew uh, that they have, Lord. I pray that you would uh, that they would see you for who you really are, uh, that you would uh, do an awesome work in their lives, that you would change them, and that they would see you. And Lord, I pray that you would work through the the, the Hoovers to uh, continue to minister uh, to these boys. Um, and Lord, uh, we pray that you would, uh, as they're here in the States, Lord, we pray that that uh, they would have an awesome time, that they would uh, have a, a refreshing time, uh, Lord, with you, and uh, to be able to rest and rejuvenate and um, uh, to uh, follow you even even greater than before. And we want to give this all to you in Jesus' name. Amen.